anybody there? Is there anybody there? Hello. Hey, Shane. Yeah, hi. Hey, great to meet you, man. Likewise. How's it going? Uh, good, good. Uh, I appreciate it. I had some technical difficulties with my coffee, but uh, uh, no, we're, we're good to go. No, I appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you and what you're all about. Uh, what do you think? Should we start at the beginning and talk about uh, the book real quick? Can you give me a little bit about what's just come out for you? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I just released a book uh, back in August called The Ether. It's a collection of 11 sci-fi and weird fiction stories. And they range anywhere from like 900 words to uh, the ether being novella size. So like, I think 37,000, I can't remember how many words it costs, but it's novella sized. Uh Uh, And they're not set in the same world or anything like that. They are different stories with different people, but they have, I would say, similar themes and a similar tone. Uh, Yeah. And I'm excited for people to read it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a blast, man. So where does this come from for you? Uh, do you have you always had a pension for the weird and the uh you know the the strange or uh can you give me a little bit more about where this story or where this collection came from uh, i would say 100% yes i i gravitate toward the weird uh and it's like a magnetic attraction <laughs> um <laughs> and i think uh reading a lot of weird sci-fi existential sci-fi weird sci-fi as a teenager, uh, a lot of Philip K. Dick. Also, here's my cat. Hey, cat. Good to see you. I love cats on the podcast. That's actually, <laughs> I just want to do a podcast about cats, actually. <laughs> it, it would be so successful. You you would crash the internet with how many people would, would watch that. Oh, uh, Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, it's really my cat should apologize. She's the one who interrupted us. Yeah. But um, <laughs> As they say, they bow to no one right they don't they don't bow to anyone um it's her world i'm just living in it right uh yeah it i i love i i think i also love the surrealist um something like the uh, the uncanny valley something that Mm. that seems normal on its surface but then there's a curtain and you peek behind the curtain and there's a whole mess of odd reality that uh you can't make sense of right so alongside, uh, say, Philip K. Dick, what were some other influences or things that, that really caught your attention when you were younger? Kurt Vonnegut, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, there's, a, there's a bit of comedy, uh, and some of my stories have a comedic element to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's one story, actually, Holographic Forefathers, uh, where the United States has is collapsed and the government's running out of ideas and so the the military commissions a bunch of scientists to uh create a holographic ai of all the founding fathers so that we can get the country back to how they would have wanted it you know you hear that rhetoric all the time this is this is how our forefathers would have wanted it right and uh kurt vonnegut is a huge inspiration for stuff like that he he has the he, he had this this way of hitting you hard with a serious situation and then just undercutting the whole thing with one or two lines of comedic dialogue. And then it's like, well, I laughed at that, but now you've turned me into an asshole. I don't know how, I don't know how to feel. (laughs) Right. Right. So let me just kind of clarify. You're in the Northwest, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I live live in Seattle. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. What part of Seattle? 
I actually live in an area that is called the Greenwood neighborhood. Okay. Uh, my yeah. last name is Greenwood. It's no relation to me, I promise. <laughs> and we we just had a good deal on a house here, so that's all. There that's you go. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's great. I I used to live in uh, uh, Shoreline. Shoreline. Yeah, yeah, I used to live in Shoreline with my wife uh, for a couple of years. Uh, very chill place. Yeah, sure. Shoreline is is quaint too. There's like a, a weird small town in the, in the city. Right. Kind right. Of feeling. Yeah. It's definitely. like, it's really cool and chill though. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely for us. Uh, Cause we moved from Wyoming there for a couple of years and then we came back home, but um, it did help us acclimate a little bit. And obviously it was cheaper for us to live there cause we were <laughs> super broke. Um, but it was a man, like really good memories from, uh, from shoreline in those areas. But uh, I hope you're enjoying yourself and uh you know do you feel like you you get a lot of support over there for the type of work that you do yeah i i i have a good I, a good support network of friends and i i have been trying to embrace the the digital support network i uh, i mean we have we have like discord and slack and mm-hmm. a bunch of different ways to proactively connect with people and i found a, a bunch of friends on twitter uh, I've also found uh, I've met some friends on Twitter, which I've never like met anyone in person that I've hung out with online that yeah. I've like talked to online. <laughs> and so at first it was really like, oh man, are they going to hate me or what's going to happen here? Oh, for this, uh, for the podcast? <laughs> um, no, I, it, I, I'm so I'm, I'm talking about, I have a few friends uh, who I actually met on Twitter who are in the one of them's in the Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. and uh, a few of them, like one's based in uh, Maryland. Um, we, they're, they're kind of all over and they came up to Seattle mm. and we all hung out. And, and at first I, I just like, I'd never seen them in person before, never even met them on a video call or anything like that. Wow. So I it was just, uh, but uh, they're they're all writers and they um, they're also just great, great people. And mm. so uh, it's, interesting how the we we talk shit about the internet all day because there's a lot of toxicity on it but there's yeah. also a lot of goodness on it right i mean like just just meeting you yeah ab- it, absolutely i mean this has been this has been a really great thing and i've i'm just recently starting to get more guests and reaching out on twitter and you know online stuff like that but it is like taking a, a little risk, you know, like doing a bit of uh, online dating and figuring out like, is this going to be a compatibility thing? But at least for me, I'm open to talk to anyone, especially if they're passionate about the, their stories and what they want to tell, you know, how they want to go about them. Uh, but it is kind of a curious thing. Like you're talking about your support network that you kind of fostered, you know, online. And that's just kind of crazy to think about. I mean, 10, 15 years ago, we wouldn't even have had, you know, this opportunity at all. So. What do you think the the perks are of this? You know, like being able to connect with creatives who who have this kind of perspective. The the biggest perk is you find a a bunch of people who are really into the same nuanced part of something. And that sounds vague to say, but you know, there's sci-fi and then there's the subgenres of sci-fi, you know, there's horror and then there's the subgenres of horror. And and I think if I were just you know, palling around Seattle, knocking on doors, being like, are there any writers here? Can I join a writer's group? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I would, I would probably get a few people who 
write romance, maybe some people who mm. who write like literary fiction, and then maybe some people who write sci-fi, who knows? And so right. uh, I think that the internet just helps people uh, get together who who are like, no, this is the type of stuff that I write. I, right. I write this type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and working with other people who who share that who have that vibe mm -hmm. is is important right uh, you know um not saying i don't want to learn from people who write lit i i write uh, literary fiction as mm. well oh okay uh, and so I, I i definitely am trying to seek out those groups too right um, but i you know i i don't think it would be more of a mixed bag i guess and compatibility as you said i think is important right uh, and it's kind of like speed dating i guess right <laughs> like you can't just yeah you just be just, like is this good are you good are you good no you're not I think good. i'm just gonna okay, follow good. yeah it's not gonna work out <laughs> for me yeah um, but in terms of uh this new work that you put together were you able to workshop that with your online crew or was this more of like i'm gonna kind of workshop it locally i had them uh, i had a few people beta read it uh and so they the people were amazing and offered a lot of feedback and it was really great for them to just spend the time to read to read anything right and so uh, i that's the way writers groups work though is like you want to make sure everything's two-way street and so i was mm -hmm. reading other people's stuff i i actually don't i'm not a big fan of fantasy i hope um, I hope you you don't have people on your podcast hunting me down for saying that. But uh, uh, I'm going to try my best not to smear you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and up next is Shane Greenwood, yeah. the jerk. Shane who Greenwood. Like the fantasy. headline is he hates fantasy. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I I did read some fantasy work, uh, and you know tried to keep an, an open, impartial mind, even even un though understanding it's like it's it's not the first thing I'm going to pick up, um, and so but but to have those same people come back and read my stories and and leave feedback, and it was all done in like a Google Doc, you know I just share a Google Doc with them oh, wow. and they just leave comments, yeah, uh, and. Uh, it, I got a lot of fantastic feedback. Uh, uh, the ether itself was mostly shaped by that because the original, uh, and I'm talking about the ether, the story that's mm -hmm. in the collection. Right. It's kind of confusing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the ether, the story was actually supposed to be a on the longer side of a short story. It mm. was 15,000 words. And uh I think I even cut it down to like 12,000 words before people started to read it. And mm -hmm. I had three people read it and they all told me this could be longer. This should be longer. This could be a novel. Mm. Uh, and I'm like, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to go that far. Let's, let's see yeah. how it goes. And I stretched it. I, I was worried about stretching it out and, and just putting in a lot of filler content, but those people were right and i just didn't see it you know mm. there was a lot more story to tell with the ether and i just really thought about like why were they saying this to me why were they saying there should be more uh and i realized that in when i was writing i kind of glazed over a, a lot of the character development that mm. was missing you know like right. bad stuff happens or good stuff happens but the, there wasn't a lot of time spent in in the thoughts and in the minds of, of the people and how they react to to certain things mm. um so i just adding that to the story uh, made it a lot larger made it bigger but also more full of life and uh, sure. something that i'm really proud of
Yeah. Could you give me a, a little breakdown or not a breakdown, but just maybe like a, like a log line, a quick introduction to what this world of the ether is? Yes. So the, the ether stars, uh, Ethan, uh, who is one of many children raised in a large dome like habitat. And they have been there for probably tens of thousands of years. And they're all children. Uh, it's a society, very low to flies. It's a society of children. Whenever a child turns 13, they undergo uh, a ritual called the Rite of Ascension. And they uh, are taken away by a flying humanoid flying machine oh. called a guardian. And they're wow. taken off out of the dome. Uh, and the children believe that they're taken off to fight this entity that destroyed the world needing the domes in the first place, uh, the entity called the ether. And they think mm. it's just this big uh, sentient um, blob of gas. Uh, and oh. so all the children go off to fight that. But um, circumstances force Ethan to leave the dome when he's 11. Uh, so before he undergoes the right, and he finds that the world is very different very different so that's where you can leave it if you want if, if you don't want to give yes. it more away <laughs> yeah well that sounds fascinating it's it sounds absolutely amazing how did this story originate specifically i if you thought, if you have starting points sorry <laughs> yeah no 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 it's, i think this is a good question um and i i thought about wanting to i wanted to write something that had the the feeling of the classics in mm. a way with with some sci-fi on it and so stories like the odyssey really influenced me i think you can see the the classic hero's journey mm. in the ether uh but i also wanted to write a um oh another cat Phoebe interrupting Bell. a podcast yeah phoebe uh, makes an <laughs> appearance all right get out of here <laughs> <Cutie>. <laughs> uh, sorry um, no don't worry uh I want. I also wanted to write something that had uh, a long, like a, a metaphor for uh, kids having to grow up too fast, especially mm. in the modern world. We have to be adults. We have to take on tons of responsibility, and some a, a lot of old religious practices denote that adulthood starts at the age of thirteen. Mm. Uh, and so uh, that that's the crux of it. Is there are people who have to become adults well before they they've learned enough to really be adults they have to take on responsibilities that an 11 year old would have never considered um i i would say personally i'm one of those people without diving into my my sad personal backstory in life mm. but um taking on a, a lot more responsibility than you, you could ever uh, imagine as mm. as a child right. and uh 13 years old being considered adulthood uh, for a lot of cultures, a lot of groups of people. Uh, and, you know, even if it's not your mark of adulthood, in a lot of cases, 13 years old is like, it's when you're about to hit high school and, you know, you're out of middle school, you need to mature, you need, you know, like you need to take on all the stuff, do all this extracurricular stuff. You need to start thinking about college, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. playing your whole life out at the age of 13. Right. Uh, and so, uh, it, that's what the book is about but there's a there's a lot of like sci-fi 
<laughs> in there. Yeah, yeah. Like, and oh, you, I promise. It's, it's a very specific blend of, of you, you know, and kind of how you see that. But I, it sounds incredibly fascinating and very poignant because, as you say, I mean, I, I have an eight-year-old child. I'm very worried for him and the world that he's going to be living in. And even looking back at, at the way maybe our generation, uh, I mean, I'm in my 30s. so I'm, I'm in my 30s, too. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So you kind of get it, man. Like how everything accelerated so quickly in the last 15 years or so. And even before that, maybe at the turn of the millennia where <laughs> it just, yeah. it felt like the lid just kind of went off and, and everything just started going crazy. Um, yeah. We also, I, I think we, we were put into a, a world uh, that reflects the ether. I mean, the ether is, is much more dramatized, mm. but we're, we were put into this world where you can't afford anything. Um, like you were, you were told, go, go, Go dream. Go to college. Go yeah. big. Yeah. Go do big things. Yeah. Don't worry about the money. You'll have a big job and it'll all pay out. And then mm-hmm. now we're being told, you know, like everyone is like, well, you, you just made a bunch of stupid decisions getting all those student loans, you know? <laughs> right. <I don't>, like, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that, I think that you just described my exact situation where I graduated with a Bachelor of Fine Arts the year of the recession. <laughs> so it's just like coming out of it feeling like I have no idea what's going to happen next. So going back to you personally, in terms of discovering writing, what was the thing that did it for you early on? Were you younger or did, it, did you come into it later in life? I, I've been writing for a while. I think I, I actually only got serious about it in the past through two two years or so. Mm. Uh, I published a, a chapbook, a short collection of poems called faces mm. in 2020 awesome i don't know what is time i, yeah, I can't right. remember <laughs> i published it at least a year ago uh <laughs> and <laughs> and that was when i i really uh sat I, I i stared at myself in the mirror and said do you want to be a writer do you mm-hmm. want to make a career out of this is this a, a hobby for you it's okay if it's a hobby for you and right. and I really started to say like no i, I want to be a writer i want right. this to be my career uh and so i took it seriously and take it seriously it wasn't just um you know something that i i write and then i i put away and nobody ever sees it right yeah. <laughs> so yeah um but i've been writing for a long time and i think um the first real story that I wrote was kind of a ripoff of Fight Club, and uh, and I and then I threw it away. <laughs> it was, oh, that's, uh, no, that's perfect. I I think yeah. the the first screenplay I wrote was something like Fight Club based, or probably something around that time period. We're just like, yeah. oh, wouldn't it be cool to be like hip and have multiple personalities? You know? <laughs> yeah. I, my, like, I, I really want, I really liked the, the toxic masculinity themes in Fight Club. And mm. I was like, yeah, I want to write another thing, destroy toxic mas- masculinity, uh, do some end of the world type shit, throw that in there too. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I was like 14, I think, and I, I had a notebook and I wrote, I hand wrote like 200 pages. And oh, wow. then I, I was reading the last chapter of it. I remember when I was like 14 or 15 and I, I read it and I was like, wait, this is pretty much fight club without the multiple personalities. And then was like, no, <laughs> it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work at all. Oh my goodness. Sorry. Intermission here. got to get rid of the cat again. Cat so, mission. <laughs> yeah. Cat mission. Um, <laughs> 
so let, let me just kind of get a little bit of, of backstory here with you. Um, was there a time where you felt like you weren't able to do this at all? Was there a reason why you felt like you couldn't pursue this um, fully? If, if I may ask. I, I have doubts today. Uh, and, mm. <laughs> um, but the, I keep going back to the, the fact that other people do it so mm -hmm. I can do it. You know, right. if, if other people can make it, I can make it. And there's going to be, there's going to be struggle. There's going to be ups and downs. Sure. There, there may sure. be a book I, I, I release where everyone's like, this is garbage and mm -hmm. nobody wants to read it. Right. And uh, I think it's, um, it's, I, I stay the course. Mm -hmm. even throughout the doubts i stay the course knowing that no matter what like other people have made it and uh we can you know idolize those people and call them absolute geniuses or or you know um people who buck the trends or who are special what have you but i don't i don't think that's the case i think that anyone who has the willpower to tell a story to write a story to tell a story actually it's not just about writing but to tell a story uh, or produce something artistic the the most important thing to think about is other people have done it right. and they're amazing but you're also amazing too and so they also probably had the same doubts you you've had mm -hmm. here and there it, even if they're not willing to t to say those things out loud or to the public but um everyone has doubts and i think um just knowing like the world needs more stories <laughs> mm -hmm. absolutely uh, and you know er everything that you've just mentioned here i couldn't agree more with because my whole philosophy on this is making sure that we can support each other again reach out to the people who are having those doubts and say there are tiers of success obviously you know those are things that are undeniable and a capitalistic society right <laughs> there's people who can do this for a living there's people who can't but that doesn't denigrate your work in my yes. opinion like there if you have the impulse to pursue the craft and get better at that craft you are more than entitled to do that the biggest challenge is making it align with your life yes <laughs> you know and totally. and so anything that you know I'm interested in, you know, because I, I have a job, I have a family, you know, there's things that I got to do. And that's always my biggest barrier is making sure that we can align all of these things so that we're not taking away from, you know, time with family or time, you know, at work where I'm not like completely falling apart in other areas of my life. So yes. uh, to, to that end, um, what is, what is something that works for you in terms of balancing these these things out like life work craft how do you move forward you know is there a schedule <laughs> <laughs> uh i have a i'm a fidgety person i can't sit still and and so i think a part of it is just um i also don't consider writing uh to be to be work it's work i take it seriously but it's also not work because i want to do it all the time it's uh it's like playing a game for me mm. uh, and, and to get a story out but uh, i also that also leads to to a lot of me sitting at my computer and uh then having me having to or my wife having to snap me out of it and say like maybe you shouldn't work for so many hours mm. <laughs> uh and, yeah 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 um 
I I will say so when I published the ether and when I published Faces, but mainly the ether. The ether was a huge endeavor for me. Uh, it was a lot of editing, a lot of rewriting, mm-hmm. you know, getting beta readers, connecting with people, uh, and and asking them like, is this any good? Like, mm. would you buy this? Would you read this? Is this right. what does this need? And that uh, I spent, I I want to say like ten or eleven months through for the whole process wow. right writing drafting editing all the you know there were like five different uh, edit cycles maybe more than that beta reading more editing etc cetera, etc cetera. and uh, i i did have a full-time job at the time i i actually worked as a as a ux writer so oh um, goodness was, yeah so i was i still had like it which is a blessing and a curse because you get to practice writing every day uh, right. as a UX writer, but it's not creative writing. It's, it's writing for clarity. You get burnout. Which is, though, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That means that I, I'm like, I spend like nine hours for a job and then it's like, okay, time to write some more. Mm-hmm. And then I'll spend like, you know, four or five more hours right. writing my passion project. And uh, I, it was, there was an intense burnout and I had to force myself to take like a week off of writing mm-hmm. uh, and, and really just put it away right. or, or else it would be one of those things where I would just give up uh, just because it's, it's too much. Right. Um, I, I have since uh, actually in November of this year, I left my job, I quit my job mm. uh, and I'm lucky enough now to be a full-time writer uh and so um it's really it's really weird it's really different uh (laughs) and i still have to snap myself out of the mentality of like oh you've got to go be on a stand-up call at you know (laughs) like i don't i I know i don't (laughs) yeah and so it's weird too because i moved when i was a ux writer was i was in a leadership position so i had people Mm. who would report to me and um i was the the lead ux writer and so i'd i'd have to you know i'd mentor and and uh work with uh other people um to write strings for software products Mm. Uh, and uh i now writing is is it's a completely different scenario like i work for myself nobody reports to me and um i'm able to really open up and and connect with people the difference is is night and day like being able to fully set my own schedule and um just decide this is what i want to do today is right it it's way different and i i i think my my wife said like she she feels the difference in like energy oh and yeah disposition yeah. just like right away like right. I'm, I'm i'm happier i don't feel like i'm just gonna die like i don't you know yeah um, absolutely it feels like you're, hard you're carrying that boulder of of you know like holding things off right or putting things off until you know you'll get time someday right yeah yeah well, yeah, congratulations, man. That's a really amazing thing. Um, and I wish you the best on this chapter. I'm happy that I kind of got you in, in you know, at this moment. So I, I really think we should celebrate that for sure. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So um, can you tell me about the chapbook a little bit? Well, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't know you did poetry. I do. Awesome. And, awesome. Uh, it's kind of where I got my start. Uh, I, I was writing poetry uh, before I, I was writing narratives mm. and 
I, I, I've just, I've fallen, I've been in love with poetry, I think since I was like seven years old, mm -hmm. just like, uh, Shel Silverstein and Dr. Seuss level. <laughs> uh, they, and, yeah, and yeah. Just, <laughs> they introduce you know, us, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, then getting, getting, graduating on to like, I, one of my uh, favorite poets is Emily Dickinson. And uh, I, I always go back to Emily Dickinson or sometimes Walt Whitman if I'm looking for some really crazy stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I had this collection of poems that I actually start write, wrote, I started writing when I was 14 and uh, then poems that I had written in 2019, 2020. So it's a, it's a wide spanning collection. It's only 25 poems. So it's a, it's a small chapbook. It's not a huge collection, mm. uh, but it, they, the poems all have themes of uh, understanding yourself and understanding your hardships, understanding not your relationships, but how you reflect on your relationships. And there's, there's actually a poem in there called Faces, and mm -hmm. uh, it reflects uh, the many sides of us that some we recognize and some we don't, right. some we, we don't want to admit we have. Yeah. And it, it, the poem is, was about me. And uh, but the the cadence of the poem, it it goes like the many, many faces of you. Um, and so mm -hmm. I'm really talking about myself as if I'm looking at myself in the mirror. Mm -hmm. And I kind of was when I was thinking of this poem and thinking mm -hmm. about, like, do I know who I am? Um, like, would I have done the, the bad things that I have done? I, I don't think of myself as a bad person, but I've done bad things mm -hmm. like I've hurt people. And um, it was really, I, I think the poem is really just about understanding that, like, regardless of how you think of yourself or regardless of how I thought of myself, you know, I, th I think everyone's the hero in their own head and yeah. everyone's the protagonist in their own life story. Right. And the, the poem and, and just the thought process was about me deconstructing that, breaking that down, that good goodness is not uh the disney uh version it's not the pure hero who the only problems the hero faces are the challenges that the villain throws in the way um we we are both hero and villain and we're someone else's villain uh, right and uh and so it, it was important for me to understand that like i'm you the terms good and bad don't really reflect us as people and i think now right. more than ever it's important for us to understand that we're not we're not always right we don't always do what's good even if we thought it was good at the time even if we thought we were doing what was right what was good at the time and it's important for us to think back on that and understand that um and so that was the whole yeah the whole poem was about that i but i i, I have other poems in there that are just like sort of i think i wrote some of them when i was high and <laughs> i was just like yeah well you space yeah. and shit <laughs> yeah but but you know that's that's the great thing you know i i think that sometimes you can you know have a little bit of freedom to it you require a little bit of help to get to that threshold where you can forgive yourself you can try to understand yourself just a little bit more right than what yes. what usually happens on the surface 
Uh, I'm very curious about this too. I, I do write poetry and lyrics and things like that. But why do you think we we can use poetry as such a like as such a perfect way to to go in? You know, I feel like it's just so much easier. Is that is that kind of how you feel about it? Why is that is that the case with poetry than say like fiction? <laughs> you know. Yes, I I think poetry it is a fantastic tool for us to f- reflect on our perception and po- poetry. I mean, everything is all about your perception, right? And you're you're not um, you don't see me. You see your your mind's image of me you see your reflection of 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 me and um you see this in everyone right every time you 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 connect with someone you talk with them it's your perception of them Uh, and you're we as humans we woefully struggle to try to make sure that our perception of someone lines up with who they really are but there's never a way to tell <laughs> right you can you can never really tell who who someone is and in a lot of cases we can't even tell who we are because we're dealing with our own ego and our own perception but poetry is is sometimes it can be like a knife that cuts through all that bullshit yeah it, it, there's freedom in poetry you know, uh, there's not as much freedom in, in writing a story. A story mm-hmm. has to have structure yeah. and it has to be something that if I write it, you can read it, you can understand it. Um, and even if I have some parts of a fiction story that are absolutely crazy, uh, I always have to anchor you mm-hmm. at some point. I have to bring you back to reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, with poetry, you, you don't need fuck yeah. all that with poetry. Yeah, you don't yeah. need to do any of that. You know, I had never really thought about this, but, but really it it is kind of like two, two opposite ends, two diverging energies, right? Where narrative is constantly building that suspension of disbelief, that world, right? And then poetry essentially is unraveling what you think. Like it's just constantly, you know, kind of like pulling it apart. No, that's, that's absolutely fascinating. So where can we find faces? Is this something that that is currently available on your website, just so that I can make note of it here. Oh yeah. Uh, faces is available on Amazon. Okay. Um, there's e- it's in ebook and hard, uh, or not hardback, uh, ebook and, um, not paper, like the hard it's copy, just, hardcover, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, I guess it's technically paperback, um, ah, but yeah. anyway, anyway, yeah. Uh, and, and the ether is the, the ether is as well. Okay. Um, that's also available on Amazon and, uh, you can, uh, there's a link on my website for it. My website is you are muted.com. Um, okay. and there's, a, there's also a bunch of free stuff to read oh, on, great, that, on great. that website. Yeah. Uh, so there's, uh, there, there are free poems and, uh, there are also, uh, some short stories, uh, that, that I've written, um, that you can find on youaremuted.com. Excellent. Excellent. Sorry that I got a couple of questions. I want to be respectful of your time, but like, if you got yeah, a couple, keep, go. couple minutes, yeah. yeah, the, the difficulty of getting into the market. I mean, I, I'm more of a, a playwright, but when you're going into, into the literary realm, what kind of hard hardships like keep you up at night? Marketing. I, I'm <laughs> sure you're, you're going to hear this with everyone that you talk to. Marketing is, it's a struggle and mm. uh, it's a struggle because 
you are having to write something that is uh, enticing and honest at the same time. And uh, sometimes when I when I write marketing copy or try to, I'm just I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm fluffing this up a bunch. Like, this doesn't <laughs> seem honest, right? Right. Um, and so it, it's also difficult to to uh, brag about your own your own writing, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, these are amazing yeah. stories. It's the you best, know, like, best thing them. I've ever done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. Like, you'll never read anything like it. Go buy it now. Yeah, because yeah. I, I I would love to eat. That's really, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, right, right. And, and so having having the understanding that when you're especially you're not marketing to other writers. That's another thing to understand. A lot of, a lot of the other writers, especially self-published writers that I talk to, uh, they, they either understand that or they, they don't, they, Mm. they, they want to write something that, uh, they think other readers will understand and will relate to, but really they're always writing something that other authors would love. Mm -hmm. Right. And so your other authors are definitely going to buy your book, uh, but you want readers to buy your book. You yeah. don't want writers yeah. to buy your book. That you don't want that to be your only audience. That's um, the same thing with anything. Like you, sure, musicians are going to buy your music, but you want people who listen to music to buy your music. Right. Yeah, that's that's a really good point because we do kind of get uh, stuck in our own silos in a way. We feel like the support feels good. You know, especially within our own community, it's safe. We can express and we can share it. But when you become a business, right, you you become a writer as a business, there are things that you have to consider. And uh, I mean, I I think that that's spot on. I had that uh, when I I did video for a while. I, I did wedding and event videography for six years, seven years. And a majority of my life was setting aside the things that I wanted to do to really try to craft something that spoke to the recipient, right? That, that really specifically answered their, you know, whatever their needs were. And, um, I just remember that being like, holy shit, this is like a skill. (laughs) This is like, you got to get outside your own head and, and see, you know, what, what people are looking for. So for your, for your business, I mean, what is it that you want to bring audiences? I, I would love for people to, um, to see just a, a variety of, of different, I would say f- just combinations of feelings. I, I am, I'm about character. I'm about feelings. And the, the premise of something is great, but you could, you could sell the same old story to me at, with different, uh, fantastic, really well-rounded and complex people in it, driving that story. And I, and I'd read it. Uh, you know, if you told me something was like, it's just the Odyssey, but it's got a really cool protagonist who is uh, not as like well-equipped as a fighter as Odysseus, mm-hmm. but they still have to fight through a bunch of stuff. I'm sold on that. Like yeah. just trying to understand that, that different struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I notice, I'm not, I, I don't want to throw people under the bus, but what I notice <laughs> is that in speculative fiction, especially we we get less focused on characters and a lot more focused on the world and world building is this big you know people love to hear the term world building um but i don't like that term (laughs) (laughs) and i i don't like it because it 
uh, it seems to just curtail the whole concept that people have to live in the world that you build. And so if you just have a world and then eventually put people in it, then you're always going to have characters who serve the plot, which never makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, you have characters who will do things that make no sense to them, to mm -hmm. some pre-established things that you've set up earlier in the story, but they have to do something because you wrote yourself into a little world building corner. Mm -hmm. And so I want to bring stories where the, the characters are so much more important than you know the cool sci-fi tech uh or or what have you the big <laughs> post-apocalyptic thing uh and it's about them so mm -hmm. oh that's a, that's amazing and that's exactly what we need now i gotta ask you something here uh going back to lit fiction um what is it that appeals you to that uh, specifically because you mentioned uh other than you know the uh the current genres that you're in why lit fiction Telling telling stories that are set in I, what I would say is uh, I guess like more modern time. I, I don't really write historic stuff, uh, but uh, telling stories that are set in modern time, uh, I think that's that's needed, and we still ha we still have a fascinating world today. Mm. Uh, and so, but but for me, lit fic is it's less about escapism like in sci-fi and, and speculative fiction there there's a lot more tendency for escapism for mm. you know show me the new cool stuff show me the the crazy sci-fi stuff show me the crazy fantasy stuff mm -hmm. um, that could never exist in this world but um the literary fiction again it's another thing where that allows me to focus on the people and what mm. people are going through but i i think we we also we still have a lot of stories to tell that are set in um, in modern day and have modern day struggles. Uh, mm. And I, simple things like I, I wrote a story, uh, I published a story in November that's free free to read on my website uh, called "Sins of the Father," and it's about a um, it's about a, a a man who had an estranged relationship with his father and his, his father is an asshole, mm. um, but his father's dying of cancer. And um, he, it's, it's all about him trying to reconnect with his father on his mm. father's deathbed. Um, but also understanding uh, that he, um, he may need to, like, he can't change his father. Like he can't right. change that person. And, and I don't think you could, you could get something so in depth uh, with a uh, sci-fi because you're always going to have the like, okay, but they're also on a spaceship or think okay, might, also yeah, the world's destroyed. Like you know? they might be distracted by the artifice of, yeah, of the world. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think li literary fiction gives, uh, gives me that unique space. Mm. Yeah. And I, I really think that that is a very smart way of looking at it because if, if we really think about it, I mean, in terms of addressing what the current world we live in needs, what our society needs. And I definitely think that it is like you're providing that language for them to handle those difficult situations. Not that we're, you know, like predicating this is exactly how you need to do it, but maybe there's another way to handle the difficult situation that you're in. Maybe consider this. Um, very powerful stuff. And uh, I'm really excited to check out that short story. I'll make sure that we get the word out about that too. Um, but this is a very hard hitting question. I really got to get, get it out there. Okay. Uh, where does D and D tie into all of this? 
I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I, D and D is amazing. Uh, I think it, it's the role playing and RPGs are the most amazing gift that we, we can have as storytellers. Uh, and it's for the sole fact that you can, you can, you can create and, and exist and be in a, a world that you could never be in mm-hmm. and uh, be in a character. That's not you. That's totally different from you. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you have to think about how, not how you would solve a problem, but how would your character solve a problem? And I, mm-hmm. I think that helps storytellers. It It's, it's important for for anyone who tells a story that is fictional Mm -hmm. to get outside of their own head as much as possible and get in into the head of the character and Mm -hmm. you know some people are going to say like well aren't we supposed to write what we know you know um (laughs) and to a degree yeah i mean you can't just you know fake a bunch of stuff and not do research but uh, if every single character in your story is exactly like you then uh, or you have multiple stories and the main character is always exactly like you then you're you're not pushing yourself and readers are going to notice that you know <laughs> they're right. going to be like well this is the same it's person the same, with a different same name guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah if you want to write pulp fiction then then you're good you can totally <laughs> but um if you want if you want to really challenge yourself to to think about how someone with a different personality type from you mm. uh then uh, would, would handle anything would act would speak then yeah. D is an amazing place for that right and um not only that they're just like the normal just like fun game stuff right like right. you solve puzzles right. in D, you talk yourself into or out of situations in D. um you have other other people other human beings who you can connect with and socialize with uh, but you're also socializing in the context of your characters so mm-hmm. you'll hear a bunch killing of stuff. two birds with one stone yeah exactly yeah <laughs> so um, uh oh go go ahead I, I i was just gonna say like you 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 also like when you're connecting with other people you're connecting with their characters and so you're, you're gonna hear your friends say things that you never thought that would have been born in their mind you know <laughs> right right <laughs> and so Again, that's yeah, unique too. <laughs> very very liberating stuff and one of my big regrets not was not picking up dnd uh when i when i was in in high school i had many opportunities you know, being a theater kid and uh, and definitely in the nerd camp for me. <laughs> but um, I meant to ask you in terms of um, your routine, now that you're doing this full time, what does a writing day look like for you? What kind of goals are you setting regularly? I, I have a goal to, I have six novels, very different novels planned. I My goal is to starting next year to uh, start to outline those and hopefully within a span of of two two or three months to to fully outline those novels and then to start writing one of them pick pick the one that i really want to write that mm-hmm. i like i know like i can't put this down i love mm-hmm. the story right and write that one and uh, i'm actually going to seek tra- a traditional publishing route um, for that. So mm-hmm. my plan would be to, uh, or is going to be, uh, I know tense, I'm a writer, is going <laughs> to be uh, to to seek an agent uh, in uh, 2023 mm. uh, and, and try to shop the story around. Uh, but my my schedule is, I spend about 
I would say four or five hours either researching, writing, or editing, or doing some writerly thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I also design board games. Oh. Uh, and, and so I also spend about four or five hours working on board game designs. I, I'm like in, I'm, I'm in a couple of board game contests on a website called board game geek it's like the biggest board oh, game website ever great. yeah and i'm sorry and, we did i did i totally had no idea so i i know that there's a lot of like interconnectedness to to the way that you create with that but maybe maybe next time we'll get we'll yeah, talk yeah, about totally. board games a little bit more <laughs> yeah um but yeah so I, that's that's mostly mostly my day and mm. um i i think the 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 time i spend writing it or doing a writerly thing i think it it's become more relaxed, especially now that, that I don't have a full-time job mm-hmm. and I don't have all those responsibilities breathing down my neck mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> where uh, I can, I can really open myself up and, and I don't feel the rush, the mm-hmm. obligation the like, Oh, you got to get something out. Like you got to right. put something, you gotta, you gotta get something out there, you know? So I feel yeah. like I can really take my time research mm-hmm. uh, and, and really figure out uh, like, why do I want to write something and then research mm-hmm. the, the subject matter needed? So it's, yeah. it's been, it's really good. Wonderful. For somebody who's just starting out in their, in their storytelling journey, whether they're going into, you know, writing any kind of fiction, what are the steps that somebody early on needs to take to get to a position where they can be somewhat liberated to, to pursue what they're, they're going to do? What do you think is the best route? Uh, to kind of get that in place? I don't think there's one. Uh, I think the the best thing you can do for yourself is research how everyone, how many different kinds of authors, many different uh, people, many different genre authors, how they came about uh, getting into the industry. And uh, you'll have people who are self-published and they're successful. You have people who went to college, got a connection, got an agent straight out of college. You have people who, who shopped their work around, uh, went online, did like a uh, pit mad and other stuff like that to pitch their stories, found an agent. Uh, and so their connections are online. Uh, there are so many different routes now. The, the most important thing that you can do is have a polished work. So don't just write a draft, write a draft, edit it, hopefully at least twice <laughs> uh, and, and have something that you are proud of. It doesn't have to be flawless in every way, but have something that you are proud of, something with a strong story. And then find other people uh, who have some experience with beta reading and get those people to read your work. And um, sometimes you have to pay them. Sometimes you can, you can trade skills. You can, um, you can offer to beta read something of theirs uh, as well. And, uh, but it's important to get your work to a degree where it's good and where you think it's good and then get beta readers before you start saying, I want to go out, I want to sell this Uh, because you're, you're, you're going to you're going to find out a lot about your work uh, that you didn't see because you're mm-hmm. just so close to it. Right, right. Now, um, just to kind of wrap it up here, I like to ask two questions that I'm really fond of because I'm a fairly sentimental guy. I'm I'm also uh, 
kind of an optimist in this regard, but why do we need stories now more than ever? And what have stories done for you to improve your quality of life? Two very good questions. Um, we are going through a lot of shit. <laughs> we have a lot of horrible, toxic shit. Um, and stories, at the very least, offer a sense of escapism. But at the most, they can help you understand your place in the world. <clears throat> and it's important for, for everyone to take something in that wasn't made by them, to, to get the thoughts from another human being across their face, in their mind, <laughs> scan with their <laughs> eyes. It's important to uh, get the perspective of other human beings, even in a fictional setting. And uh, the fictional settings have the luxury of disconnecting us from reality so that we can really entertain thoughts that would be difficult for us to entertain in reality. Uh, and, and science fiction definitely helps with that, but the, any fictional story can do this. When something's not set in uh, an environment with real people, uh, certain acts uh, can be, I would say, I guess, like more objectively considered. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it, that's important. I think it's important. And so what was your second question? The second one was how has storytelling, how has this work that you've done made a difference in your own personal life and your own quality of life? Gotcha. Thank you. In my own quality of life, I think um, that simple fact, the fact that I, I've read works from people a uh, hundred years ago, I've read poems from Emily Dickinson, uh, and I, I've understood the perspective of a person who's not like me. Uh, a person who it, it was in a completely different uh, world <laughs> practically than me. Uh, stories written written about people, fictional people, um, or even uh, some fun like historical fiction stuff that has real people, uh, understanding to some degree that um, who a person was that was nothing like me, grew up in a different time, uh, even if they grew up in, in modern time, they, they have a completely different environment from me. Mm. And uh, it's important for, to me, it's important for me as, as a man uh, to read stories about not men. <laughs> uh, and and yeah. because otherwise I don't, I don't understand like otherwise, you know, and any, any form of me trying to understand without reading stories about other people uh, who who aren't me, who don't look like me, didn't grow up in the same environment I grew up in. Um, if I were to just piece that together myself, it would it would all be lies, right? Like it would just be some kind of veiled uh, collection of lies. And so when I get to absorb my, myself in characters, people who aren't like me, but they're going through situations that are still very relatable, uh, it helps me grow. It helps mm -hmm. me uh, see how somebody takes something, how somebody interacts with something, how somebody gets out of a situation or deals with a problem in a way that I, I probably wouldn't have thought of. So, and that, that's important. Mm. It also brings a lot of empathy um, to, to any situation. If you can put yourself in the shoes of another person and um, not just treat them how you want to be treated, but treat them how they want to be treated, uh, that's important. And fiction really it just trains the, the brain to do that. And with that, I think we got it. I think we got a pretty awesome episode and I can't thank you enough 
Shane, for your time and for your insights. Now, one more time, what's your website so that people know where to, where to find you? Yeah, uh, my website is youaremuted.com. And uh, there's a poem called You Are Muted on, on the website. That's how I started the website. Uh, but it's Y-O-U-A-R-E-M-U-T-E-D, You Are Muted. Uh, and, Great website, uh, can, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I love thanks. It. <laughs> um, yeah, it's got uh, free poems to read, free short stories. And uh, there, there's a link to buy the ether uh, on there. And uh, yeah, that's me. Awesome. My friend, we just scratched the surface, but uh, I really wish you the best on this next chapter. I really think that we should check out the ether, go check out the poetry, everything that Shane's got going on on the website. Thanks again, yeah. man. And talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.